Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I partner with our biggest publishers and agencies to bring you the most current and cutting-edge research and stories on personal growth, development, and improvement, so you can be in the know and at your fullest capacity. I'm Kevin Miller. In this episode, we are talking about the dangers of what we come into contact with environmentally and how to guard ourselves against them. This is our Functional Friday episode. We're not talking so much about toxic people, though we'll get to that in some ensuing episodes, but here literal toxins in our environment that can be bringing our health and wellness down. And we're unaware little by little by little. And we're unaware. I'm with my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert. And we're going to review the primary dangers many of you are coming into contact with on a daily basis. To take an extreme, I mean, what if you let a daily dose of radiation wash over you every day, just a mere second, not too much, but every day over time, what would happen? Well, enough, it would be catastrophic. And as our world is increasingly filled with pollution and toxins, the very air is truly suspect and what we touch. Obviously, we're in acute time now of fear of viruses. In this episode, we're not going to spend time on that. I think we're all well-versed there. We're going to look at what's touching our skin, what are we smelling in through our nose, what's irritating our eyes, allergies, mold, toxins, chemicals. Should we all walk through life wearing surgical masks and radiation suits? I mean, realistically, it might not hurt, but it might cramp our social life. So what do we need to be on the lookout for? What is most threatening to us? How much of our physiological and psychological maladies are related to what we come into contact with via our skin and the very air we breathe? Well, let's find out. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, leave a rating or review, and best of all, share what you learn with someone else. You can always find me at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. James and I talk about how and what to guard yourself from environmentally. All right, so here we are all going through our day-to-day lives in our homes and our workplaces and our school and our wherever it may be. And what is the impact, the weight, the gravity as we talk about of environment and you just showed me a really cool example. So lead off with that. So I think it's a good analogy for people to have in their head. An analogy is basically story, and humans think along storyline. You don't walk around with a set of facts in your head. So my analogy for, for our, to, to bring into your awareness the, the weight of the environment, the air you breathe, and, and all those kind of things that we're going to talk about today is to imagine yourself as a submarine. Now, if you're a submarine, two things stand out to be number very true. Number one, you're not going to fly. You're not going to go up in the air. It's not going to be easy. That's, that's heaven. Mm-hmm. And number two, you're going, your submarines are designed to be in the water. And in the water means pressure. And pressure comes from we live in a toxic world. So every breath you breathe in has to be dealt with. The, 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 the soap that you used this morning had some kind of toxin in it, and there is no such thing as perfectly pure. So all of us are under the weight of the, the pressure pushing down around us, whether we're 100 feet in the water or a mile. But let's go down to the mile, and I would say you don't have to smoke. 
So somebody who chooses to smoke is willingly subjecting their submarine to huge amounts of pressure. Mm-hmm. If you if you live in Delhi, one of the most polluted cities in the world, it's, it, you know people are stuck there, but that's a huge amount of pressure for people living in a downtown smoggy environment. Um, and then we can just start listing because people think, well, what about you know my food? And I would say, yes, if you eat 100% organic, that is less pressure on your body. Mm-hmm. What about Wi-Fi? What about this change to 5G, et cetera, et cetera? So that's what we're going to talk well, about today. Well, it's great because it's really the accumulation. We keep talking about the cumulative effect. We talked about that, the cumulative effect of what you put in your mouth, what you eat, drink, whatever, what goes in or what, do, you know, the, the, what are the back to your line, what goes in that your body doesn't want, what are you not putting in that your body needs. Then we talked about visual uh, input. Then we talked about auditory input. Now we're talking about the very environment and we are going to hit on some specifics of what touches you. What do you smell in your nose? Some of those things, but we are talking about this, uh, this cumulatively. Yeah. Like you talk about, you wake up in the morning and you are in a submarine and in, in a sense, what's the submarine you're going to take through your day. Cause you talked about that as we sit here and look at Pike's peak and talk about the forest and whatever, not everybody has that. Some people are in downtown concrete jungle, whatever they can't do that. So what's the best you can do in my bad analogy was, you know, if you've got somebody on a healthy diet and they say, you know what, my gosh, I'm stuck in this small town. The only place to eat is McDonald's. What do I do? Let's do the best you can. What are the best ingredients that we can, uh, that we can do? Matter of fact, I have been working, as you know, with a company called MetPro, uh, metabolic MetPro on a health and wellness standpoint, and they have personal coaches and that's what they do. They say, Hey, tell us where you're going to out to eat. If you're stuck on a business trip going out and we'll tell you what the best thing on the menu is that you can possibly do to stay, uh, not only with healthy food, but with your specific diet, which may have a different amount of protein, fat, carb, yada, yada. That's what we're talking about here. How can you make the best of your overall environment, the overall, I'm going to call I'm going to, I'm going to keep referring to mood of the environment, the feel, the flavor of your environment, wherever you are during the day. It, it, it is a tall order because it yeah. ultimately becomes infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, which drop of water at what level was the one that leaked into this submarine that's now having symptoms. That's the, the drops of water that might leak into a submarine, in my analogy. It's, it's infinite. Was it, the, was it the weight of your strained relationship with your spouse that had a difficult conversation last night? Or did you have a difficult conversation because both of you were underslept? Mm-hmm. Or ate something a little weird or and the ors the whatabouts just keep going on and on and that's very frustrating for people because people always want to live by algorithm this is what i eat for breakfast this is how i exercise this is what i do and so as we expand into this the mood of the very air around us and how we are interacting with our environment this is not in people's consciousness it, it, it it's it it's a little weird, and I think some of our listeners might think, oh, geez, you guys are talking about weird stuff. And I, and I would say today, it, it does come secondary to nutrition, exercise, all of these other basics that we've already kind of talked about. Yeah. And I think it's secondary because if somebody is elevating the toxicity, say, of you know, the new carpet in their home, because that's what new carpet smell is. You are mm-hmm. breathing plastic, fe- p- p- 
pieces of plastic. Right. And your body has to detox that. But if you don't have an awareness of your own nutrition, your own sleep, your own water drinking and those kind of things, you're not giving your submarine the tools to get these toxins out. Well, yeah, and, and I want to hit on some specifics. And like you talked about, it's kind of uh, this, it can feel like this vague thing, and yet you're here, you know, in, in a medical practice dealing with people, and this comes to light: is what is the environment overall that you're in? And as you said, I think I mentioned it in the last show. You know, you had a patient who had a lot of different things happen, a lot of pathology, a lot of issues. But you said the most acute thing she needs to deal with is get her adult child out of the house because of the toxicity of that relationship, and therefore the environment that she was living in, she couldn't get away from the stress. It was derailing all your other efforts. Yada, yada. So let's start on some, let's start on some acute, uh, negative sides. And I had two thoughts that came to mind. We live in Woodland Park, Colorado. I met a lady years ago and I've, and I've known of some, and you probably have since then too, who came up to this area. And I think further actually went up into divide Colorado, which is seven miles further away from us, a little further up. They came there because they had such high, uh, environmental sensitivities, allergies, whatever they were looking for statistically some of the cleanest places. So this is way up in the mountains. As you know, it's very windy. Uh, the wind's coming from the West, which is the part of the Rocky mountain. So it's the cleanest air they could find. But I know the one lady that she built a house, had a house built so she could start from scratch. But even in doing that and dictating every material, there were still some, like you talked about carpet, new carpet and whatever that had some toxins. They had to build it and let it sit for some number of months till all those chemicals dissipated so that she could come in. So, so there's an acute aspect. Go ahead. Right. Okay. There, there yeah. is. So the medical term would be multiple chemical sensitivities. Okay. All right. So, but, and you and I have talked about this a lot. We are all on the spectrum. I, know, I, was, I knew you were going to go there. And if not, I was going to, we're all in that spectrum of sensitivity. That's right. And that, but I, I want to pin, I want to highlight that. I want everybody to hear that you are all on. Nobody is a hundred percent non-reactive. Yeah. Okay. Right. There you go. Everybody. So for example, let's pick on a very famous thing now that people are talking about. And some people say, Oh, it's a fad and whatever, but gluten. All right. So we're, this is a, a form of our environment and Every single human does react to gluten, but the question is how much? Yeah. And so whether it's gluten or the drink of water you just took, there are impurities in that water. Your body is now reacting to it, but at such a low level that you don't feel it, there's not a symptom that's perceptible. This particular woman had gotten so derailed in her metabolism that she could not, quote unquote, handle the normal allergens or toxicants or whatever that we live in, in, in whatever random city. And she was having to seek out an environment that is cleaner. So in the extreme, actually in Denver, a year, number of years ago, and people will, will remember the movie from a long time ago, the bubble boy. Yeah. Right. So John he, Travolta, John Travolta, <laughs> the bubble boy, he had to live in this manufactured yeah. environment. He could not handle a virus. And, and basically because his immune system was non-reactive. Meaning the next virus that, and that's what AIDS is. The next virus that comes along acquired immunodeficiency means you lose your reactivity response and, and you, and you die with a virus. Well, the rest of us, like right now, you and I are reacting to some virus all the time, yeah. but we don't perceive it. Thank God. And we just go on with life. And sometimes we get a cold or something. So 
this particular woman is over on the extreme side of this reactivity scale, multiple chemical sensitivities. And so our listeners, uh, the people who are starting to border on that are people who say, I can't go to church. The perfume smells bother me. The, the perfume aisle down at, at Dillard's bothers me. The cleaning aisle at Walmart or even the I work in a building and they started using a new cleaner and it bothers me. And that, that whole phrase, it bothers me, yeah. is a telltale sign of it. it, it and and the, okay, this is a very nuanced statement. We have to do both. You have to protect yourself in terms of getting out of the environment, and you have to be wary of the fact that if you are becoming more sensitive, sometimes the wrong thing to do is to extract yourself from all these environments because pretty soon – you're becoming the bubble boy. Okay, perfect. Because I was just going to say that. Obviously, if we're in a, a toxic environment, we want to remove ourselves. And, you know, if it's a toxic relationship, whatever, you want to remove yourself from that. Of course, what would be the best thing? Work on making it non-toxic in I was that relationship. Say, what relationship is perfectly pure? Okay. Well, N- back, none. Exactly. Back to your thing on environmental stuff, though. As much as we say, guys, there's more and more toxins in, in our culture, in our environment that we want to remove ourselves from, like this lady who, you know, building the perfect house and the cleanest place and whatever. But the bigger issue is she had something wrong with her that did not allow her to withstand uh, what we're all withstanding every day. So in a perfect scenario, I am living a life, you know, obviously some people have literal uh, diseases, pathologies, whatever that they can't get fully beyond. But for the majority of us and everybody listening, you have a body that has the ability, if you are doing all the, you know, as many things healthfully, what you eat, what you drink, how you sleep, stress level, yada, yada, your body now is strong enough to withstand the daily environmental uh, maladies, negatives pressure. that are pressure, pressure. Thank you. Yeah. Pressures that are out there and, and you're good to go. So we're going to talk. So, about- so let me just say, okay. go back to your, yep. uh, our submarine analogy. Yeah. That's the daily pressure. Now that pressure consists of relationships and do I smoke and what did I eat and what did I not eat and how did I sleep? And think of the submarine. Some people genetically are born a little bit weak, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where we'd say, oh, if you put the pressure of smoking in this person, they got cancer in a year, but somebody else didn't get cancer for 50 years. My okay. son, my son Caleb, when he was little, epilepsy uh, right. and loud, uh, boisterous environments really jacked Tipped him, him over. up. So we made sure to keep him out of those. You home- changed his environment. We changed it homeschooling, whatever. Our That's other right. kids, different. And so basically, yeah. you kept his submarine at a more shallower level, so the pressure was less. Yep. Okay. Now the other part of this is everybody leaks. Okay. Everybody has some symptoms. Nobody goes through life with zero sensitivity. Right. So think of that as leakage into your boat or your submarine. And all boats leak. So what do they have in the bottom of the boat? A bilge system, a pump. Hmm. It's called your detox system. And so the pressure is coming in. And every day we breathe it out, pee it out, poop it out, or sweat it out. And or med- meditate it out. Or there, you, I like that. Or meditate it out. Now think all of us. Now we're back to the raw physicality of what do I eat and how do I sleep and do I sweat and all of these yeah. kind of things. But we live in an environment or we live in a culture that pays no heed to this until the symptoms start to, your dripping starts to outweigh your bilge pump. 
right? And you start to say, oh my gosh, my, my feet are getting wet. And we call it a headache, or mm-hmm. we call it snoring, or we call it all these things that you and I have talked about, you know, that people call normal in our culture. Yeah. I have high blood pressure, I have high cholesterol, and they blame it on their parents or something. No. So as that water level goes up, we are then defining symptoms. Okay. But the core issue is, at what pressure level is your submarine? Let's let's at least address that. That's what we're talking about today, the uh, yeah. environmental pressure. Let's be aware of genetics and how my body is built in the first place. If I'm a Caucasian guy, I can't stand out in the sun 20 hours a day. I just, you know, you're going to get burned. Um, and then be aware of the efficiency of your bilge system. Yeah. And this is the inflammation process and detox process and methylation, all the complicated biochemistry of, of medicine. And, to our listeners, it's increasing your awareness. Not that you're going to be able to need to go read a textbook on how what methylation is, yeah. but it comes back to the, and today we're talking about specifically the awareness of environment. Okay, I want to hit another piece there because you're talking about where are our weaknesses in our submarine, in essence, in our environment? Where is it leaking? So many of us, and I'll use myself as an example because this is acute to both of us, we tend to, you and I, uh, have have dealt with trying to make ourselves as solid as we can. Our submarine is rock solid so that we can dive deeper and withstand more pressure. So our buddies over at the Potter's Inn who interviewed you not long ago, their, their podcast folks, if you want to check it out, soul care conversations, uh, and Steve Smith, uh, Steve Smith is the founder there. He talked to us years ago about guys, you, you can't stay in that pressure. He called it the, uh, whitewater. the whitewater. You can't stay in there forever. And I said, but that's what we're living well for so that we can endure more pressure. And I had that belief until I had enough pressure that I started leaking way too much. And, uh, and, and for me, and I'll, I'll be candid, it was anxiety. And I finally came into you one day and said, dude, I'm losing it. And you prescribed a, like a Zoloft type thing. Right? Yes. But after I prescribed Sabbath, no, you prescribed lots it- of things, <laughs> meditation, <laughs> Sabbath. So I wasn't doing that. I broke in that. So, so I, I had a, I had a bigger leak and uh, you did that now. Well, hang on. That, this yeah. is a good thing. Okay. So it's not that Zoloft is bad or evil or wrong for heaven's sakes. In an acute situation. In an acute situation, it's a tool. It's a life raft in the whitewater. Or it's a Band-Aid on your submarine. Stop the leak. But the pressure in that submarine is going to push past that Band-Aid eventually. So in addition to Zoloft or or whatever, we we continually said, you and I, to, to one another, encouraging ourselves, we have to be becoming meditators. Well, it was, we, and it was, it was a wake up call. So I didn't put duct tape on it and dive deeper or stay there. You, you gave you put me that. duct tape on it and you have to, it retreat. just so happens that the Zoloft didn't help me didn't at all. Really. But I also came up. I also said, and I, my, or, or turned my bilge. I did both, man. Turn the bilge pump up. So yep, get the bilge pump going and, and come up in pressure and came up in pressure yeah. uh, from that, you know, circumstance, environment, mentality, whatever was going on with Well, and, and for our listeners, everybody's going to have a different story because to some people that might mean that you have to have that, that conversation with your wife and cross the line into, we've got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. It's just underneath, um, or the conversation with your boss. If things don't change at work here, I have to leave. And everybody lives in fear of those things, mm-hmm. even in fear of, you've got to stop eating that food. Yeah. And they, they, 
the actual task of coming up in pressure, it really is work. It's challenging. And I'm hoping that through a broadcast, increasing awareness to, to a lot of people enables them to, to, to go to that next layer of help. And maybe even like we did, uh, go to Steve Smith and, and be becoming aware of Sabbath, aware of rest and recuperation and what that technically means in a practical sense in your own personal life. I think we've done a great job of outlining, outlining the, the foundation here. I want to jump to something so we can then dig into this on an acute area of something that is a, it seems like it's happening more and more and you may know why I don't, but, uh, mold, you know, that's an easy one that people think about an environmental thing. That is something you talk about skin, nose, whatever. That's a literal, tangible, uh, touch, you know, sense thing. We have some good friends that we're living a, an abundantly healthy lifestyle on a farm to table type farm where they're raising their own chickens, they're growing their own food, they're exercising. I mean, they got to be top of the list of being well and they tanked and their primary reason was literal mold in their home. It devastated them. It ended up to the point of being like a fire where they lost everything because they couldn't take anything with them. The kids' toys, their favorite blankie, the keepsakes, the whatever, everything. Uh, they they left that, came out here, and they actually live in our town and doing well. Lo and behold, then some things are happening and they got mold in their house again. I mean, that's a very literal one because we're not talking. I guess I came to that because we're not talking about whist- get yourself strong enough so you can whist- Withstand anything, dude. There's some things you just got to get out of, and that would be one. You, you do not want to try to withstand mold in your house. Well, so uh, to that particular family, we would say, yeah, they were doing really well in in getting strong. I mean, especially him is an example of a, a near elite level athlete and very mm-hmm. smart and all those things, doing the right thing. But so in their case, genetically. And now we know this, they were the quote-unquote canary in the coal mine, Mm -hmm. right? So some people, as you go down in that pressure, and for them, they were eating right, living right, and all that kind of stuff, but the pressure increased because they bought an old farmhouse, 1850s or whatever, and they were redoing it, and so it had a lot of old stuff in there, and they're like, yeah, mold, let's just clean it up. And, and, And in the process of that, if people don't do it the right way, you actually stir it up and then they breathed it and all those kind of things. And he and one of the, one of the kids were, uh, genetically predisposed to react to it. And it tipped, they tipped. That's a great point because there was was five family members, four, four, two two kids, two kids. So, so the husband, who I would, I would venture to say was even healthier. Like you said, almost elite athlete. I mean, you know, doing great, loved his work. They had money. I mean, there was no big stressors there. Uh, but, he, but this, so the mold, same mold comes in, affects him and a kid more so than his wife and one of the other kids. And there it goes back to, Hey, yeah, the born. other kid was essentially symptom free. Okay. And one was, you know, Correct. having yeah. issues in school and stuff like that. Um, so a, a very interesting example, and again, we are all in this. Yeah. Every single one of us are in the crucible, in the pressure. Every single one of us has a unique genetic makeup. Every single one of us is a canary. We can go deep enough in pressure to have a symptom. And so, so we'll let, let's, we're getting specifically to mold and saying here's, and I'm going to say mold slash lime. Lime is another one that's, that's probably even more famous and, and, uh, 
is very frustrating. But let me just say these words because some people out there will understand them. Mold, lime, uh, fungus, yeast, candidiasis. Um, all of these things, if in the autism spectrum, so people are aware of pandas or streptococcal uh, infection, and, and and here's what I want people to understand: even if they do have these sensitivities, uh, again, we all do. So I would look at Kevin right now and say, if I swabbed your throat, I would say, oh, you have strep. But are you sick? Do you have strep throat? No. No, because you are living in a balance with that strep. So the bilge pump is keeping up with the I am, situation. I, I am now. Now you know there's a time where I got that living out here, uh, and I got strep throat. I just counted on it, which was terrible. It was my norm was that it would manifest once a year. I couldn't get past it, and I would get an antibiotic. It was every year, and that's that's a common story for a lot of people. It was. It was. It was my norm. It's not now. I would say that ought not be the norm. Yeah. That uh, the norm is that humans get sick. So we don't want to have people think we're saying, oh, you can live optimally well, never get sick and never die. And that's ridiculous. But what get less sick, you can get less sick. Or what we say is you can be well earned. That's and I will point that out again. That's been your as as the doctor. That has been your statement from day one that none of us can be perfectly well, which is why you do not use the word well. We can all be weller, and I, I want everybody to hear that wherever you're at, whatever place you're at, whatever you think is normal, whatever you think you're a victim of, whatever you think that you're stuck in, you absolutely can be weller. It's impossible for us not to have the possibility to be weller. And if you didn't believe that, I don't think you'd be listening to this show. So absolutely. Even on your deathbed. Yeah. So we are now awash in an increasing awareness of toxins and toxicants. Well, can I ask on that? Increasing awareness. But I did want to ask just for some tangible, you know, things for people wondering, okay, gosh, what do I do on that aspect? Because we can talk about relationships and yada, yada, but just on the increasing toxins, allergens, chemicals, whatever out there. What I'm just hitting with you with this off the cuff. What are some of the highlight ones that you're seeing issues with more and more, maybe now more than it was 20 years ago or 50 years ago? You know, do we have more mold? Do we have more chemicals amongst us? I mean, we talk about, I think we hear more and more about just air pollution uh, being a real thing. So, so we have both going on. We have a- allergies. That was the other one too. Just the humans. I would argue that our submarines are weaker. We get leakier at lower depths of pressure than in the past. Not provable, but I'm going to say, in general, well, it, it would we, it would fall in line with America. We're also right. we're, we're we're fatter, we're sicker. Yeah. We have I mean, that, and those we are, do have more toxins. Absolutely. Okay. And I think at last count, last time I read, there's 85,000 new definable uh, chemicals in our industry and in, in our products and our stuff that we buy and about five to 10,000 are actually tested by the FDA. So most of what's going on is, is just not tested and, and we trust the system and, and not to be a conspiratorialist or anything. I trust the system too. I think America actually does a pretty good job. I mean, we have reduced the amount of air pollution compared to the seventies, compared to China, compared to India. That's pretty well understood, but I think in America, we've done a very poor job on increasing the health of our bodies. 
Uh, we, and, and so then that'd be looking at, well, gosh, look at the, look at the flat out, not only food without nutrition, but with chemicals in it, it goes back to, we talk about this in about every show. I think Michael Pollan's book, food rules, which came from his bigger book or documentary. What was it? Food, uh, uh, food Inc. Or? In defense of food. In defense of food. Uh, but where he kind of, you know, tongue in cheek in a chapter of the food rules book says, if your child, if your young child or your grandmother cannot pronounce it, it's not food. And it, it, it blow you away. Go to the inside aisles of any grocery store in America and pull off whatever box, jar, uh, plastic bottle, whatever, and read the stuff that's in there. And it's unreal. The cookies that your grandma made that had four ingredients, flour, sugar, butter, and chocolate chips or whatever it may be. Uh, and now you buy them at the store and it's got 50 ingredients and stuff you cannot pronounce. Those are chemicals. Those are not those are not, not good. Food. It's not food. It's not helping you. So, so what we've got in our air, what we're ingesting uh, in there. And of course we've talked about, you know, visual and, and ears and whatever, but yeah, coming back to the sensory aspect of skin and what we breathe in and, and whatnot, we are. So you were asking for kind of the big, the list, well, the list of the big picture, the big ticket items that people are becoming more aware of. I guess so. Cause I, I don't know that I even know it, but we do see more allergies, more chemical sensitivities, more, and we say allergies, you know, even looking at food allergies, we talk about that, that as kids, man, I don't remember that at all in school. You know, there's one kid who had uh, diabetes and got an extra chocolate milk or something. That's the only thing I can remember. And today, holy smokes, the amount of, I think we say allergy, that kid's allergic to that. We even do that in our house. It's not a true allergy. But it's a sensitivity. I mean, when he eats that, he does not do well. He gets splotches. He gets bloaty. He gets gas. He doesn't sleep well, whatever, uh, which is why you're doing more food allergy tests. You just, we just did one on me and I found out I'm allergic to, or allergic. Is that even correct? Sensitive. sensitive. Yeah. To eggs was a, a way on the high mark. And I was eating eggs uh, and having eczema spots on my face that I don't have anymore. Having the funky eye stuff and, and uh, another green beans. Who the heck has sensitivity well, to I didn't know. Uh, that goes in the legume category. I, again, I'm ignorant. And who else out there has ever thought, <laughs> man, maybe green beans are bad for me, seriously? And it seems ridiculous. And we get people going, are you kidding me? Come on. Everybody's allergic to this. I think some people think it is just a fad. It's just a scare as opposed to, no, this is the buildup. What you taught me, this is the buildup, the cumulative effect of living, eating, drinking, smelling, seeing, hearing, whatever, as we have for the past hundred years, really since the right. industrial revolution is where so much of it started. And now we're seeing the effects. So yes, we are in an area where we are more compromised and it's the chicken and the egg. It's both. It's both. And there is more junk out there, but that's where I feel like people are going to hear this. And I'm, I, I want them to, you know, so they're going, okay, what do I do? What, right. what, do, what the, am I looking only, at? For? The only reaction is I got to be the bubble boy. Cause I have all these symptoms and what am I going to do? Which, and I love what you said earlier. If you go that route where you're avoiding everything it's may not, it's probably not going to be the best answer. You've got to be strong enough to withstand some it's both. It's, it's okay. Both. <laughs> right. We're back in the tension of you. Yes. Quit smoking. Right. Yeah. If, if, if you don't say, well, he told me not to avoid my toxicants or whatever. Uh, when it's, it's clear and don't eat a McDonald's. Don't eat Doritos. Don't, th these things aren't food. They're don't not breathe gonna, secondhand smoke. Don't, don't breathe. try not to breathe secondhand smoke. Don't work in a toxic work environment. You, you know, but, but it, on, on like the uh, talking about the, the mold of people think about their home, um, you know, what is in their home? What are the top things to look out for? I think a lot of us are, are, are understanding or knowledgeable of and now seeing the response to cleaners. 
chemicals and cleaners. And I think we started off with boutique people and network marketing companies and stuff coming out with, Hey, use these cleaners that are hundred percent organic, whatever, and telling us what crap is in the stuff that we get off the grocery aisle. But I think now the grocery aisle, uh, manufacturers have responded and now they're coming out with whatever cleaners I couldn't tell you, I couldn't give much credit to you know, understanding all that, but it, it, even in our office with, uh, when we switched cleaners and, and the new person had brought in sort of the industrial strength, uh, Mr. Bald guy, Mr. Clean. Oh, right. Uh, you know, and, and I walk in the next day, I can tell it, I can smell it. And I'm like that, that smells aggressive. It doesn't give me a headache or whatever, but it's, it's, it's whatever. And so, yeah, I have to pay, you know, two or three times as much to go and get a cleaner from a natural source. And I don't have specific names of products or anything like that. And for our listeners, I would say awareness that the typical cheap, normal cleaner is going to be just like our food. If you get typical cheap food... It doesn't mean it's basic. It means it's probably less basic because our industrial, our industrialized food system has, has, has gotten to where we can produce white bread so efficiently and fast and all of that. And it's a far cry from where it could have, would have, should have been. Well, even, even you saying that without being conspiracy theory, it's commerce. So there's companies out there trying to make the most they can with the least amount of expense so that they can put a cleaner out there that'll pass FDA approval and get it on the shelf that will clean your laundry. Right. Um, Without killing people. But the FDA did not do their experiments on you. Exactly. On me and my sensitivity That's right. and over and over a long enough period of time to say, my gosh, I am doing That's all these right. things. And yet we're washing my clothes every single week in this stuff. And I'm having this That's right. sensitivity. And we have plenty of patients who are clearly, and we know they're sensitive to that kind of detergent yeah. or to that kind of cleaner or to that kind of whatever. And then we get so- soap, shampoo, uh, yes. uh, beauty supplies, Lots makeup and makeup stuff like patients. that. And so, yeah, this is not a, we're not, we're not here with a a show sponsor and the exact list of, so buy this kind of lipstick, get this kind of lotion, get this kind of shampoo, use this kind of cleaner on your countertops and your floors, whatever. But that's what we all have to look at. And again, you're talking about the cumulative effect. And this is where I bristle when somebody comes along and goes, oh my gosh, your cleaners at home are killing you and just change that. It'll change your life. Dude, that's one area. Go for it. Do there. Now look at your food, look at your environment. Now we're back right. to the, is there mold in your home? Are there chemicals? Right. What about your workplace? Are they coming every week and cleaning it with uh, junk that right. now you're sitting there under a fluorescent light uh, with chemicals around you, no windows, no airflow. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're, what do you do? You're going to try to, we want you, this is awareness. One Oh one. Yeah. You are and going to withstand. You're yeah. not going to die tomorrow, but you might have a headache tomorrow. Yeah. And then, and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you know, it's, it's tension headaches, go get a massage or take a motion or whatever. And then, and then this whole cycle, again, you're putting a bandaid on it, but you're not elevate, you're not relieving the pressure by either strengthening the submarine and the bilge system or relieving the pressure on the environment. So other things going on in the home, other things going on in the home, stay right there. But, but that relieving the pressure, that's a great response 
to the people when you say, you know what, I'm in a spot right now. I cannot get out of, I work the night shift at a factory that has these things. I do not know how to get out of that granted. So we're not going to be flippant and say, Hey, you just got to quit because it's right. bad for you. But if you're in that, what can you then do back to your submarine and the build system? What can you do to relieve that? What can you do outside of that to rid yourself of that, of, of other pressures? You have other pressure. Yeah. Yes. Of that. And to get that stuff out of there, what can you do to be at least a little bit weller? Yes. Okay. Drink a little more water. You know, mm-hmm. go do get a massage. Go sweat a little more. The, uh, Take your work break outside instead of inside. Um, there, there, and that's that's where uh, you and I were talking before the show. I want to be very sensitive and, and not flippant. Yeah. That people think, oh, well, you guys live in Colorado and and have Pike Speak to stare at. I don't have that. I'm stuck because all of us are stuck. And you you can't just take your submarine and hold it up in the air. It, 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 we are all under this pressure. Yeah. So increasing awareness, starting to tune your senses to, is it my bilge, my detox system? Is the pressure too much coming from outside my job, my, my marriage, my this, my that? Um, or is in the biggies are going to be, how's your nutrition? How's your, how do you sleep? And, and those kind of things. And, and again, it's very, even though it might be simple to say, don't eat McDonald's or fast food. That's very, very difficult. It is. And to come back to this overall aspect of what we're talking about here on the True Life Show with a foundation of functional medicine and getting you as well or uh, getting you well or getting you as well as you can be to go about your life and do the things you want to do. This is just another leg. And so we see people who are doing well on the nutrition side, on the stress side, on the sleep side, on the physical fitness side, yada, yada. And yet they're suffering and we find out, boom, it's one of these. So this, this is a primary one. It's not talked about as much. I think we don't, uh, we're not aware of, again, the cumulative effects of these environmental pressures. I think a lot of people do hear what we're saying and say, ah, that's conspiratorial. You know, we're going to blame it on big pharma, big business, big pollution, big whatever. And of course, when you say big whatever, that means nobody can do anything about it. And I would say, no, we can be aware of, and like big business, the the 5G network and the Wi-Fi, living next to a power grid, um, these kinds of things are inputs into all of us. Yeah. And there really are people who can feel when the Wi-Fi gets turned on. And, and that in the same sense of somebody who can smell a smell and get a headache. Right? We don't look at them and say, oh, you're crazy or whatever. But we do look at somebody who says, oh, my gosh, I can feel that somebody turned on the Wi-Fi and it's giving me a headache. Well, that's a good one to talk about. So you, that's one that you and I are aware of is... And I can't speak to it like you know about it, but the Wi-Fi. We sit here and work in the office during the day. It's always on. So we're exposed to that. We go home and the Wi-Fi is on as well. So back to our thing. If you work in a factory and you're in pollutants, whatever, what's the best thing you can do? We at least turn it off at night. You and I bought those little timers. Uh, It was a plug-in timer. So we plugged the router into that and it'll go off. I couldn't get my stupid thing to work. So now we've come uh, as a family, the habit, the last person to go to bed, turn the lights off and or a flip off the little power thing for the Wi-Fi. We keep, of course, all the phones downstairs, but you talk about that. If you can't do that, put your phone on uh, airplane mode, airplane mode. And even the cordless phones have, um, and, and people say, Oh, but I've been doing that for years and and nothing's bothered me. I'll be like, okay, 
That's just like somebody else that, who smokes for 50 years and nothing bothers them. They don't them. get cancer until they're 20 years in. Uh, speak on that again, not to be two, – two things. I want you to talk about what you learned about the phone, yeah. the iPhone. Um, but back to your conspiracy theory, and we're not conspiracy theorists in that. I don't – it may be I don't tend to go around with the mentality that big corporate is out to get us, that they are evil. They are, however – beholden to shareholders to make money. And so if they can make a little more money putting this lesser chemical in it, this lesser ingredient in and still get it out to market, they're doing it for money. They're not doing it for my welfare. So we can hold them somewhat accountable to that. But I don't think they're doing it to, and sitting behind with a sinister laugh going, now we're going to kill these people. They need us alive buying their stuff. It's just money. Um, and we can, uh, you know, there's, there's good and bad in that. So it's not a conspiracy. It's just commerce. And we know that that's what happened with, I think when McDonald's started out, they probably they didn't have a choice. It was a burger stand. He got his burgers from the cow place down the road, right. his cheese from there too. And it was good. But little by little, and they realized, man, we can make a cheaper burger that lasts longer with these ingredients and they can pass FDA approval. Are they out to actively kill us and do us harm? I don't think so. They're out to make money. Right. And it's up to us to be responsible to look at what we're buying. Right. And that's where we, we have the, we want to sort of blame the government or blame big business that they're yeah. – but think about it. The government nor the business can do an experiment on Kevin Miller to see, okay, what chemicals can you tolerate? Mm-hmm. We, we, it can't be done. And even when it can be done, with the example of smoking, it took 50 years for people to – now smoking is kind of like, okay, yeah, the kids aren't doing it. Well, vaping they are. So now it's going to take another – 10, 20 years for, because uh, vaping is not going to be good for you. There's going to be consequences. Uh, in fact, we're already seeing some of those. Yeah. Um, but, but there again, the, the FDA or whoever isn't going to come out and be able to do a test on everybody to see what your personal tolerance level is. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so they just, they pick a number. And on the same way of, of the RDA for vitamin C and things like that, they didn't say, well, how much does Kevin Miller need in order to go bike around the lake up here and not feel bad? Right. It's like you get in the question of, okay, Dr. James, how much water should I drink? Well, how tall are you? How, what, what's your Well, here's the biggest question after that, because everybody asks, how much vitamin D, how much vitamin C? And from now on and from evermore, I hope our listeners never answer that question except with this question. To do what? To not die? I, you don't even need any water today. But if you want to go and thrive mm-hmm. and perform and have your submarine live under the pressure of raising kids and doing a good job and, and, and being a good husband, well, you better pay attention to your hydration well, status. Well, like up here, we're, we're, we're standing right now 8,500 feet above sea level. We just we need a little sat, bit more. We just sat out in the blazing sun for our coffee at, at the coffee shop. Um, I exercise this morning. If somebody, if you go for a run later in the afternoon, like I saw you the other day and you do that and sweat, you're, you're increasing that. So that's great. I love that. That question is, we all try to give a cookie cutter exp- uh, uh, explanation. Generally people need more water in general. We could say that, but how right. much, uh, you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. Make- and we could say the same thing with, okay, doc, well, how much Wi-Fi is bad for me then? Do I have to turn it off three hours a day, four, five, six? And 
I would say, well, in order to do what? I, I do, and I do, okay, in order to do what? Exactly. So, th- so these are your goals. And, and this is something that we end up talking about a lot that we're ultimately talking about. Here's a list, a chart of symptoms. How many are you okay with having? And over here, what kind of performance do you want to have? Uh, we have patients in here who are trying to increase their ultra marathon time. So their requirements, they want no symptoms and super high performance. We have other people who are just trying to get out of a wheelchair. They're okay with a lot of symptoms. They, they just want to get out of a wheelchair, whatever it is on that spectrum. Um, coming back, you've mentioned Wi-Fi a couple of times. And I think we, I hope that we're all aware that there is a danger in living below power lines. I mean, haven't they done some studies on that? If you live below, you know, some really staunch power lines, some funky things have happened. Okay. We aren't doing that, but we're in a more electronic age where we're, and now we, yeah, we do have Wi-Fi. We have electricity going through the air and it's everywhere, literally. I mean, you cannot get away from it hardly right. unless you're maybe maybe on Pike. Actually, they probably have Wi-Fi on top of Pike Speak at this point. Um, self-service, yada, yada. And it all seems pretty benign. It's become the norm. And we all do it and we don't question it. And yet you, as a doc, see the results of people, especially under acute instances or if they just have a natural weakness, as you talked about, in their hull of, their, uh, of that. But I want you to tell that. So you were at... A couple years ago, I think you were at an Institute for Functional Medicine seminar. So it's all docs, medical doctors and and different uh, professions that were there. And you had a guy pull out his smartphone and tell you something. Yeah. So uh, this particular speaker was uh, her. She was a Ph.D. in, uh, in researching cancer and what causes cancer and that kind of thing. So. So, you know, 2007 was the iPhone and we both have one and we use it as a tool. It's a wonderful thing. But is there too much and can it be too close? And it's been a topic of conversation for a long time of, you know, does it affect the brain? Is there cancer and things like that? And so, you know, from a layman's term, not a non-doctoral, if I, what it helped me think of as you get into this story is all of a sudden I'm not carrying around something that I can just see. I'm carrying around a beacon. So it makes me think about the, you know, the, the action adventure movies or whatever, where somebody has a beacon that they turn on to tell everybody where they are. I now have a beacon that is constantly, unless I turn it completely off, I don't even know if Wi-Fi or uh, airplane airplane mode cuts everything off, but I have a beacon that is transmitting constantly. And so if I leave it over on the table, it's transmitting, or as you're going to get into, if I have it now in my pocket, it is transmitting and, right. Yeah. And, and so if, and so what this person did that was very interesting was she said, okay, take out your phone and click on, um, you know, this particular, you know, get into your, uh, uh, do you not know the, do you remember the details? It was, it, well, it was an iPhone, wasn't it? So I, I'm pulling mine up here. Settings. Yeah. You go to settings and then you, uh, I don't, I don't know. It was some, one of the, one of the settings on the iPhone. We should have done this before. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot it, about it. It doesn't matter. But if you dig down into the regulatory settings where it says, hey, here's a legal disclaimer. Um, and I've forgotten the exact pathway. And then with the new phones, we got to change a little bit. Okay, I got it. Settings, general, go to general tab. So, I mean, we know, I know statistically there's something like 68% of you guys that are listening right now on an iPhone. So, you can pull out general settings, regulatory, and... Uh, and now I'm not seeing it in there. Where is it? I don't think that's it. Is that not it? Regulatory? Well, crap. Keep going. I'll keep looking. Right. So the bottom line is the iPhone itself will say, hey, hold this thing away from your body by at least, you know, a centimeter or something like that. 
and and so right there is a is a recognition that hey we don't know what this is going to do with people who hold it to their ear eight hours a day ten hours a day or two hours a day and of course they're not going to do that experiment on you as a unique individual but the re it's so the awareness is hey this thing is not totally benign Mm -hmm. the your smart tv is always on even if it's off you have to actually unplug it or it's sending a signal a beacon to say hey i'm waiting for you to turn me on i'm waiting for you to turn me on and so these smart tvs are always connected to the internet through wi-fi and all those things and so this becomes a part of lowering your submarine into increasing pressure and that is the point of the awareness that we want. It doesn't mean go smash your iPhone because it's an evil thing and it's part of big business and they don't care about you and they're just bilking you for money. It, but, but you, in the event, at the event that you're at and the doc's up there talking, you said everybody took their everybody phone, out, took and their kind phone of, out and kind of put it away. Set it aside. <laughs> and uh, distance is key. So yeah. if... if um, if you could just get your iPhone away from your ear and talk on the speaker or an earphone is better than having it up to your ear. We know that. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question on that. But folks, here, this this will be a fun thing. Here, here you can show your friends uh, or your family. Okay, I did find it. Uh, so if you have an iPhone, I don't know where it is on a, on a whatever Android. If you have an iPhone, go to your settings. Go to the general tab. Scroll down. Or right there at the top, I think, is the about tab. Scroll down. There's the legal tab and then once you hit that the very last one says rf exposure and son of a gun there it goes and it actually talks about keeping five millimeters of separation between from your torso and your body so obviously there's no uh, amount of pressure that i think apple would have gone to to just voluntarily offer that so this obviously something was done you can read about it more in there it actually has a link to a uh, page that'll show, give you more info but they're saying but here's the funny thing why five millimeters and not four? Oh. What about six? What about in Kevin Miller? Does it mm-hmm. need to be 16 millimeters? Right? They cannot know And that's, a, that's probably if you're in an benign, uh, if you're in solitary confinement, nothing else is around you, they would say that. But what if you're also surrounded by X, Y, Z? Are we now at greater risk? Should you get it further away from your body? And I don't know if this was just your... Uh, hypothesis of what we are going to see or if it's already happening, but that since the advent of smartphones and people carrying it in their right hip pocket or women carrying it in their bra, the bra strap, or whatever, right. are we seeing? Yeah. Are- no, no. There's, there's no doubt that we now have butt cheek cancer uh, because people are carrying their phones there. And it doesn't mean that if... Uh, geez, that's a big statement. That, that right there, somebody's going to hear that and go, oh, I see it, come yeah, on, I know, that's Whatever. Google butt cheek cancer. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that everybody who carries a phone in their back pocket is imminently getting cancer. But think about it. We also can't say that smoking causes cancer. It, because in the actually the majority of people, smoking doesn't cause cancer, but it dramatically increases your risk for cancer. And there's other negative consequences. And, from and plenty that. of other negative, right. So smoking is a little bit more on the obvious side of things. The phone is going to be unobvious. It's going to be in the person who has a weak link in their submarine at that spot, and then they put another piece of pressure called this constant RF exposure over time, 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 time equals... This weird cancer that we've not, we don't have any precedence for in the past. Yeah. And the same thing for the breast thing. I mean, we know a lot about breast cancer and stuff, but then when young women are getting these weird spots that don't look like typical breast cancer, and they're like, oh, yeah, I carried my phone there for a while. Um, uh, so anyway, it's, it's awareness. 
Well, think about it. You know, we all know, I think skin cancer, melanoma, sun exposure, and you've got the farmer. My grandfather was a lifetime farmer and he dealt with skin cancer all his life, had half his nose removed at some point, And that was, he had more exposure. So you know, we come to our generation now and some of you guys, the phone's not a big deal. And some, especially the younger generation are glued to it, man. It is glued to their face, to their body, to their whatever. It's never away. What is that going to do? Uh, yeah, well, and, and there again on the exposure, we know that part of the young people's uh, insomnia is that, you know, the fear of missing out and they have to check their phone in the middle of the night. Just yeah. and, 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 and they can an, an un or an irrational. I just got to check it. Well, the more you check it, the more you're going to wake up in the middle of the night to check it. You're teaching your body to do that. That's another part of your environment. You're subjecting your body to less sleep. The the phone is right by your bedside, which I think most young people do that. They use it for an alarm and all this other stuff. And we can't say that's morally wrong or, or something like that, but it's like, gosh, be aware. There's a better way to live. Well, you talked about spectrum, that we're all in the spectrum. Yes. But if we look at the spectrum of environment and you know, look at, a, at, a, at here's the worst, here's the best, where can you do? What's the best that you can do? Because you know, if we think about the worst, I thought about, and I'm trying to say this and be all politically correct, but you know, the kid who's in an abusive home in a toxic apartment, overcrowded, poverty, and they come out, they've got the hoodie on, sunglasses, they've got earbuds strapped in with booming music constantly, their heads down, they never look at anything but the sidewalk, they go to their school or their work in the bad environment there, and they just, we could go on, keep on going down there in a polluted city. They're eating the worst food, yada, yada. And say so that overall, that is a horrific, horrific environment. Then the next one, we're going to Tibet and we're on a mountaintop and it's peaceful music and a pan flute. And the guy sitting there in his Lotus uh, position and it's all peace and tranquil. It's a perfect for, you know, for him environment. And we can hold that up. Where in there can we all make the steps to make it as good as we can and being as healthful as supporting to be, as you said, to be getting away from as much of the bad environmental stimuli and also be strengthening ourselves to withstand the stuff that we cannot get away from. But the whole point here is just elevate. This is another area, just like the other areas we've talked about, where are you taking into an account and auditing what your environmental input is? And I was going to say that brings us back around probably as a good closing remark to it's your input your output, your recovery, yep. and relationships. These are, and, and the environment hits all of those. It's, it's input, it's, it's part of our work environment, all of those kind of things. And so what are you giving your body to help it to withstand the pressure? Because we all have pressure. And how are you reducing the pressure? Because we all have a choice to smoke or not. Mm-hmm. Now, this one kid, he didn't really have a choice to you know, be born in a different city and things like that. But we all are exposed to daily choices of eat this or that. And, and I know that there are, uh, there are nutrition deserts. That's, I think, the Blue Zones guy or somebody. There are some cities where you have to go miles yeah. to find a store that will sell you true food. And, and so these are, and how, what is a kid to do? Even if he says, oh my gosh, I heard the podcast and I want to eat some vegetables and he can't. Yeah. So, so there is privilege, there is chance, there is all of these things that amount to each person's pressure spectrum, but we are all accountable for our choices to the degree that we are. 
I, and I, I want to uh, highlight, I was trying, I think I took it home, but I, I had it here uh, just recently. He, but he's talking about the blue zones and there's actually multiple blue zones book. This one was the blue zones. Oh, thank you. The blue zone solution, which I think is a second book by Dan uh, Butner. I think is how you say his last name, but this guy, I mean, he, he's like, you know, NPR uh, or not NPR um, national geographic. They've done stuff with him. Now he originally went around and he said, I want to find out where the healthiest overall people are, not just where they live the longest, but where they all also lived the, with the highest quality. Uh, and so he went and found, I think he highlighted five different areas, but what's interesting, he goes through and looks at what they do. There's definite similar threads amongst them, but they're all a little different. And what he showcases is, is, is those threads and then how to, uh, just to what we're talking about, how to create your own blue zone and how it is absolutely going to be harder for some people than other people. Uh, you know, thus is life. It's just true for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope we did some good service to the environment. It has me thinking again about that, and I'm going to push my phone a little further away. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. All right, friends, this should give you some equipping on how to guard yourself from harmful environmental exposures and what to do about the ones you can't avoid. Thanks again, as always, for choosing to tune in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I hope you truly got value, and I hope you'll share it with somebody, talk about it, discuss it, engage with the topic and what you learned. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself. 